Hey guys, Drew Moss here. Uh, today on our uh, Consider This podcast, we're going to be talking about the idea of church membership. Uh, I, I sit down in the studio with Paul Weiss, who does our adult discipleship, and Justin Ebert, who works with high school. Also, Ryan Vincent, who does adult discipleship, and a lot of our membership stuff here at Sunnybrook. Uh, I get to ask them a little bit about this idea of membership, where we get it from the Bible, and if it is even biblical, and then why they would encourage someone to join formally whatever church they're a part of. Uh, lastly, we spent a little bit of time talking about some of the downsides, some of the negative aspects to church membership when done wrong. Uh, we hope you enjoy it, and we hope it's beneficial. Welcome to Consider This. We are here today to talk church membership a little bit, um, to get into that idea why we, uh, uh, why we place a stress on it, why we think it's important, and and uh, what role it serves. So let me get right to it with this question, guys. Uh, is church membership even biblical? Uh, we, don't, we don't find it anywhere. You don't see that phrase necessarily right. anywhere in Scripture. You don't see mm -hmm. it specifically addressed or talked about. So why do we put an emphasis on it? Where, where do we even get this concept of church membership if you don't see that phrase anywhere yeah. in the Bible? In, in our church membership class, this is one of the first questions we we work through and uh and though the the word membership isn't found in scripture um that doesn't make it an unbiblical idea you could you could make the same argument against the trinity um and and a number of other important doctrines but church membership i think is um something that we can infer from the scriptures because you see that the church is highly organized and structured and, uh, and they're doing basically what we would consider membership. So in Matthew 18, which is a big church discipline chapter, but take the discipline part out of it, the, the, one of the commands there is after you've talked to the person who sinned against you personally, take a couple of other people with you, and if that doesn't work, tell it to the church, as if there's like mm -hmm. a formal body to which everyone belongs um, that you bring this problem to. And yeah, so, like, if... If, uh, if they're not talking to something formal, you've already actually told the church when you brought two or three witnesses yes, along with yes, you. Yes, exactly. They're saying something beyond that. There's, there's some, some specific organization that you're bringing this to. Yes, and um, in the book of Acts, you see that there's, a, there's, there's this undercurrent of record-keeping, so to speak. They know how many people are coming to faith and are being baptized. They know um, what widows in Acts chapter 6 are and aren't being taken mm -hmm. care of. And they set aside certain people in the church to take care of. It's like they, they know who belongs to them. It's, they, they know, in effect, who their members are. Mm -hmm. um, they, Paul, in a number of cases, in uh, 1 Corinthians 5 and in um, mm -hmm. 1 Timothy 1, he talks about people that need to be removed from the church or that he has himself right. removed from the mm -hmm. church. And so... You can't be removed from something if you don't belong to it. Right. And so, again, while the word that isn't there, church membership, I think the idea runs throughout this, this church project in the New Testament. Yeah, I think also, too, just even a step before that, I mean, the whole idea of the church as a people— right? And a people coming together, and whether it's in Acts 2 and 4, where it describes what's going on in the church, this idea of fellowship, that it can't happen alone or in a cycle, you know, you know, some kind of a uh, silo uh, mentality. Uh, just the whole verses on the one another passages, I think of especially the idea of submission, submitting to one another. 
out of reverence for Christ. And I think even Jesus, before even the church is given a name in Acts, is one who called people to himself and then also called them to be a part of something mm -hmm. collaboratively. So, you know, I think the implications of church membership are there. It's not mentioned. The implications is implied all throughout Scripture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's good. Uh, anything, Justin, anything, thoughts you have on this stuff you see in Scripture towards that? Yeah, I mean, the First Timothy 5 text comes to mind when Paul's trying to discuss which widows should or should not be on these specific roles mm -hmm. of theirs. And so, again, that goes back to Ryan's point of being discussed. But just going back to the question of why do we care so much about this concept, which isn't explicitly laid out in the text, um, because it helps us know who we're supposed to lead and care for. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a strong argument, again, can be made from the scriptures that the leaders of the church are to take care of the members of the church. That is their primary responsibility, which is maybe somebody would say, no, our primary responsibility is for the those outside the walls, the non-believers. No, that is a responsibility, but primarily our job is to care for the sheep within our body. And I think I, I, would, I would go toe-to-toe -to -toe on that subject because if you don't know who those people are, then you don't know who it is you're supposed to care for. Mm -hmm. We spent quite a long time over the last few weeks trying to decide who those people are and it gets more difficult as the number of people that are part of your church not not only members but people who are coming within the walls of sunnybrook and have somehow given us their names at something now we have to decide so what is the line of church membership who's in who's out what does this mean for those that are going through this situation in life or who aren't here but say they should be member i mean it gets complicated but the reason we care about it is because it helps us know who to care for. Yeah, that's such a good, uh, you know, you bring it up that, that this is really even kind of what launched a lot of this was mm -hmm. us as a staff spending weeks going through roles, going through our names on a list and going, are we, is this person even here? Is this person even a believer? Has this person moved? Is this person, has this person um, committed to fellowship with us, committed mm -hmm. themselves to this? And who are we responsible for? I, I tell people, I, I know right now that there there is a Christian brother or sister in Tulsa who is having an affair on, like, who's cheating on their spouse. Um, mm. And yet I don't believe it's my job to go find them out and confront them. Um, because it's, it's not just every Christian in the world I'm responsible for. Mm -hmm. um, God has placed me in this place where I'm, I'm responsible to specific brothers and sisters. And how do I know who those mm -hmm. brothers and sisters mm -hmm. are? Um, it's, uh, it's here. It's, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's the, the mm -hmm. people that are a part of this membership and this fellowship. It's good. Right. Um, uh, let me ask you this, because we, we get this question sometimes. Even we, we've gotten, I shouldn't just say question, but even objection sometimes. Um, from good people in our church. I remember seven or eight years ago when we, we kind of really started to push towards membership stuff again and, and hearing good people who are committed in our church and love our church saying, like, I'm, I'm already in. Like, I'm, I'm here all the time. I've, I'm committed. I'm in a life group. How do you not know this? Why do I have to, like, sign some document for you to know that? Mm -hmm. um, why do, what's the big deal about it? And so if, if someone <coughs> would come to you and say, like, why why do i need to make membership a formal thing why, why should i consider like formally joining a church why can't yeah. i just go and be a faithful part of it what, what would you say to that mm -hmm. 
I think there's a couple of things, you know, to say about it. I mean, I, I guess I get defensive being a pastor in a church, right? Like, I almost ask, why wouldn't you? You know, I mean, my first res- response is, why wouldn't you want that, right? And and then it kind of, because uh, I see in me my, my sin problem. And I think part of the sin problem is, is in effect, fleshing itself out in our culture and in me and this idea of, like, individual autonomy you know like every one of us has the right to determine everything everything around us tells us that's what's happening and i think one of the hard teachings of scripture that i think is hard for this culture specifically is the idea of submitting and putting myself under the authority of Uh, and yet that's at the the heart of who jesus is he calls us to himself and he he says would you submit to me i have this for you do you trust me in that and i think that's at the heart the heart is is do we uh, we're fighting, I think, sometimes this 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 hardness of our our own hearts to submit, and, and I think so. When someone asks that, I said, I want to I want to get at questions that are going to reveal their heart and and show to con- convict them in their heart, or to show them that this is why this is happening. This is not a power play of a church necessarily. It's not a power play of a pastor or an eldership. It is it is the call that Jesus has mandated for something better for us, mm-hmm. and there are many benefits. And expectations that come with that. Mm-hmm. No, that's. I think that's such a good response question of why wouldn't you? Yeah. And and not in just a hey generic hey why yeah. wouldn't you? This is awesome. But Lou, let's talk through right. what would be your reasons for not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could sometimes reveal um, some. That could reveal like a, a desire to not be in submission mm-hmm. to authority. It could reveal even some, hey, I'm concerned. I don't know if I trust the eldership here. Right. I'm concerned about yeah. power, which is great. Let's talk through this. Exactly. It's good to know. But I, th- I mean, I, I love turning that back and just asking, well, let's talk specifically about the reasons why you wouldn't. What, what would you throw in on that, Ryan? I, I like to defend the integrity of just formality. I, I don't think that formality is in and of itself a bad thing. But I think you touched on it, right. Paul, that there's a a spirit of autonomy that doesn't like formal commitments to things. Um, but I think that we can all agree that employment contracts are good, but they're formal. Um, there's a difference between auditing a class at OSU and enrolling in pursuit of a degree. That, that's a formal relationship. Um, Rachel and I having a wedding license made our ceremony rather formal and binding and committing. And then we wear these rings that um say you know, Paul Paul doesn't wear his ring I don't know why yeah <laughs> look at his falls finger. against formality <laughs> falls against formality but you know there's there's something about like Rachel and I could have just said we're we're going to commit to one another trust me I'm committed to you but there was something good and I think healthy about the formality of standing up in front of hundreds of people and making promises to one another but uh, and making promises to God and and basically um committing to something by putting some skin in the game and and i don't think that that's in and of itself. my my question is a lot like paul's why why do you want to hedge your bets on this why 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 can you not commit um and i've recently started to think through the church membership question in terms of do you just want to be affiliated with us or are you are you actually part of us? Do you want the fringe benefits of being associated with Sunnybrook, mm. or are you Sunnybrook? Mm. And and that's that's different. Like any one of you are welcome to come into my home at any point, but you have a different 
commitment to the Vincent family than the, the four, well, five of us that live in that house. And, and we have a lot more vested interest in the health of our home and in the, and, and what goes on there because that's who we are, that we're, this is our family. And, uh, and I wonder if a lot of people want to, like, want to say that they are part of Sunnybrook, but they, they live more like a neighbor to Sunnybrook. They're more affiliated with Sunnybrook than they, than they are a part of Sunnybrook. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know if I'm trying, if I'm, if I'm splitting that hair too finely, but. There's this weird, like, fear that some people get with certain things surrounding faith that, like, they create in their head. And, and there's so many factors as to why. But, for instance, um, I agree that, the, that baptism is something that's part of the Christian walk. I'm just not sure I should get baptized. I'm really nervous about baptism. Why do you say, talk about baptism the way you do? And we're just sitting there opening the scriptures, trying to show them what it says. And yet there's this this aversion. They're not quite ready. And th- though they seem like they, they're willing to follow Jesus and they have a life that seems to be having fruit of the Spirit, and yet they have this aversion to, to submit formally in this way through baptism. And there's something similar in church membership where there's this aversion to step fully in. And, and honestly, there's probably something in a lot of people's past of a fear of commitment, of a formal commitment where you're saying, like, I, I am in and I am submitting. Because that's what membership is. Those who have submitted to Jesus, willingly submitting in fellowship and giving in prayer and service to a local congregation and its leadership. That's what church membership is. And so for those that have a hard time formally submitting in anything, that's going to be just a difficult concept yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they may use language or phrases that they've learned along the way to justify it. But in reality, there's just a, f- a fear of what's going to be expected of me, like Paul was saying earlier. Uh, let, me, let me push just a little bit back on some of this, because I think there are probably some people uh, a number who would say who, who feel as though what what church ought to be is a uh, relational uh, organic is kind of a buzzword uh, mm-hmm. like a loving uh, friendship type thing that's taking place and and that like a formal thing I don't I don't make my friends like sign some right. sort of piece of paper that we're gonna be friends mm-hmm. um, or even in I don't know I don't, I don't make my kids well, to go back to the family analogy I don't make them all sign a document saying that they are committed to this family um, and, and it would almost be weird it would it would make it, it would make this relational organic thing seem rigid or something mm-hmm. like that it seems like it robs it of something when we do that how, how do you respond when, when someone says something like that except there are documents that show that they are my kids there's one when they came into the world that formally shows this is my child and i'm the one that gets to take them home and they're ultimately mm-hmm. my responsibility social security and, number and every year i fill, i fill out forms that make me financially show that these are my responsibilities. Um, sometimes that's of benefit while you're young and you don't make much money. Other times it's not um, with your taxes. So uh, really we say that, but that's just how the world works. <laughs> there, there are formal ways in which the people you are closest to, you have these bonds that show it's not just something that's a, a friendship mm-hmm. or an acquaintance that kind of will come and go. Because let's think about your friends of your past those you haven't signed formal contracts with. They kind of just change based on who you're around the most. 
right? And you have some who you'll you'll follow up with, and you you follow on Facebook. Okay, there's another f- sort of formal agreement where you both clicked buttons and said yes to, right? That's a very low form of commitment, but you've both agreed to this. Um, but your friends kind of come and go, whereas your kids are kind of always your kids, not mm-hmm. just because you've you have their birth certificate sitting in your safe, but because other reasons. Right. But there there are ways in which those are formalized. And I think I think even as a church, I mean, I mean, the analogy that obviously most of us are super familiar with is that the body's a family, so it isn't isn't friends, it's family. And so I think there is just a level of commitment that comes that you're going to always be my brother. And just until you choose to live as an unbeliever. Yeah. And that's kind of a responsibility that the church has to those who are members is the idea that are you my brother? Yeah. And, and I will go to you because I love you. I care for you, your, your family, your blood. Yeah. And because of that, I'm going to come to you and I want to I want to give what's best to you. And so the opportunity of membership, of coming together and being a family, sitting under leadership uh, that is led by the Spirit of God as we're trying to move forward, God sanctifying yeah. us, uh, we want to process through that. And so I think family is a great illustration that Scripture uses that Jesus yeah. gives us this picture of that I think is super valuable for mm-hmm. us to, to really dwell through. Yeah, because, you know, at, around the dinner table, Rachel and I don't often look around and say, you know, it's been, it's been 25 years since we saw fill in the blank some some friend that I, I definitely forgot their name from junior high or whatever they haven't eaten here in a long time like we never so we don't talk like that mm-hmm. but when's the last time you saw Matthew like isn't isn't he part of our family don't we eat dinner together don't we don't we work in the yard together don't we we take care of this place together don't we don't we serve one don't we laugh together spend time together enjoy one another where's Matthew been the last three days like mm-hmm. it when it's family it is there's a different there is a um, there's a social contract that's much stronger than simply friends. And that's the wonderful thing about the, the church is that you guys are both friends and like you're also my family. And so we have a deeper social contract than I do with my friends that go to other churches. We have a deeper social contract than I do with my friends that are not believers. Like we just have a greater understood responsibility that it might not have a formal paper actually in our case it does we're members of the same church like and i and i think that that all that does is it underscores the the abstract reality that we do have deep responsibilities to one another whereas while i love brent prentice and i love ryan smith over at eagle heights i don't have the same responsibility to them because they have that network over there that's good i like that well let me let me ask this then is there any downside to formal church membership. We've talked about where we where we see it biblically. We've talked about the ups and why we think a person should formally commit. Yep. But is there obviously there's there's reasons people push back against this. There's there's been uh, negative sure. uh, experiences. So what can you think of can be kind of the, the the flip side of this, the negative aspects? Well I mean there's there's two levels of that, right? There is the downside for the person who is submitting to the membership leadership of this right and so someone that's going to be confronted out of love may not want to be confronted so there's a downside on that I think the other side of it is those who are responsible to lead uh, you have a flock to lead and 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 the overwhelmingness of that to be uh, 
to be in a situation where you feel like you know your flock well. Yeah. Right. And I think that, and I'll speak from that side, is just the overwhelmingness of people that you're trying to notice if they're around. And it's it's more about just are they attending church rather than like, I don't know where they stand with Jesus. I maybe have thought for 10 years that they're a follower. I've seen some hints of fruit, but yet I don't know them. I have not. I have not been family. I've been a participant sitting in pews together, but I've not been their family. So I see both sides. There's the struggles with both those who are part that don't want to be confronted or don't want to be challenged or don't want to be pushed. And then that those who lead the responsibility, the heaviness of, of shepherding people. Another downside is how dishonest churches can be with this. Hey, we've got 800 members. Oh, really? Because it seemed like there were only 75 people at services Sunday. That's weird. That that number's so so different. Um, and and sadly, that's just a reality for a lot of places. They'll claim a lot of members who are not actually what we would consider to be a member. Did you realize they passed five years ago? Yes. Oh, yeah. Still passed member. or. Oh, yeah, you do know, like, they walked away from their family and the faith. Well, they technically are still part, you know. And so then it just becomes people who have only signed a document at some point, and there really is no standard. The roles themselves become like the the end rather than the means to the end of actual fellowship and actual church discipline. We want to have those roles for the purpose of discipleship, not that those roles are in and of themselves evidence of discipleship. We use them in our discipleship process. We know who's committed here. Mm -hmm. We know who our responsibility is to. I think another downside could be if you're if you're um, still working through some maturity issues and uh, and you you kind of want to follow Jesus um, on your own little island to be a member at a church. means that you've you've now taken on responsibilities to other members and they likewise to you. And so like. I, I share financial responsibilities with you guys. I, I, I'm committed to caring for, not as a pastor, as a member, I'm committed to caring for my brothers and sisters here in Stillwater. And whether that's serving them with time or with finances or whatever, like you guys are, you guys are now on my list of people that I'm investing in and you're investing in me. And if you're coming into this and you have that, that, that mentality that says, I kind of want to follow Jesus on my own. That doesn't sound like a great proposition to you, but I I think that it's a, I think it's, it's part and parcel of us being a family is we're responsible to each other. That's true. Well, uh, go, go ahead. I got something on yours, but a second. Well, go ahead. I've got like enough, the other side. Okay. (laughs) Well, I was going to say it, and this may be where you're going. Churches can use it as a way of kind of like uh, deceiving or building up their padding, Mm -hmm. their numbers. I think on the flip side is, quote unquote members can use it as deceiving themselves and yeah. others yeah. you know i uh, i may not i may not be a faithful follower of jesus but i've been a, i've been a proud member of <laughs> you know sunnybrook christian church for 30 years i'm one of the founding members of this church you know and 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 they can put a lot of stock in this idea mm-hmm. that i am that, I, that i'm a yep. member here without actually doing any of the things that a member or that a follower of jesus yeah. does and and i think it even uh it has the tendency to maybe sometimes breed an entitlement in us. If we, right. if we hear membership, like we hear country club membership yep. in the same way yeah. that it comes with these certain things, uh, then, then I think it could, it could, it could breed some, 
yeah, some entitlement, some selfishness sometimes. I think the other side where, so those are some of the downsides, but here's the downside for not doing it right. Okay, so here's the downside of membership. Here's the downside for not doing membership the right way. It causes those who are labeled formally as members who either aren't actually part of fellowship regularly, who aren't giving, who aren't in prayer, who aren't serving in the church, that those people who are considered members who aren't doing those things, who aren't actually submitting to Christ and submitting to the church, submitting to the word, that causes confusion with those who actually are real members, Mm. and it causes confusion for those who are not Christians. Like think about the difficulty it becomes if Paul and I are both labeled the same thing at this church, but Paul is a swindler and a cheater and a deceiver and an abuser and all these things well known in the community. And yet the church just kind of continues to to welcome Paul with open open arms and sees us as the same thing. Mm-hmm. What does that do to your neighbor who you keep trying to invite to church and yet has a relationship with me and Paul and we're the same yeah, thing? That's true. That has a real damage on on the witness to Christ. Yeah. And and you're not saying that the swindler cannot maintain membership. You're saying they enter into the process of discipline. Right. Churches need to lead those people. Which is why we do this. Again, it's it's not the the end is not to get them on the roll like one of you were saying. The end is to help use this to disciple people and know where they're at and and see where are you not actually following Jesus yeah. and rectify that and 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 that becomes part of this is it is so that we can know who we're caring for but it is also a testimony the church is this is what Deaver says that the church's um, recognition of you as a member is like a corporate testimony to your salvation yeah and it's not saying that the person who's not a member isn't a Christian we just can't testify that they actually are a Christian and it is, and when we say, see one who is a Christian who's not actually following Christ, that then they go into this process where we're discipling them through something like discipline, where we're hopefully leading them to repentance. And if not, then saying you are no longer a member, that helps the people outside the church recognize, oh, this Jesus thing is serious. And there really is a standard that they, they aren't just giving lip service to, but mm-hmm. is a reality for how they do life. Yeah, well, think about even even this idea of discipline with there we'll have people attending our church who are not yet believers and maybe living a life of sin mm-hmm. that that we don't we don't want to push them out of the building. We don't right, want to say right. you can't be a part of you can't come learn things. You, we don't want to do that because they don't know Jesus yet. And yeah. we're, we're glad they're there and we want to do those things. But that that is different from a person who might be sitting two pews in front of them who's doing the same things but has called themselves a Christian yeah. and has called themselves a, a member and, and we, we treat those two kinds of people differently it's yeah. it's not that this is not a place for grace it's that it is also a place for repentance mm-hmm. and and if you claim to be following Jesus but aren't we, we want to call you to that yeah and so in the way we do church now there's just it's difficult to just walk in the big the big house on Sunday and recognize member not member member but not actually following Jesus need to rectify that um, in the process of you know you can't really you don't see that just on where they're sitting right whereas if this isn't necessarily in the Bible but in the centuries right after the Bible was written that's kind of actually how they did it 
there was a very formal process to how they did the corporate worship services. Hey, this is the time for only believers. Everyone else, get out. We're going to ca- take the communion now. We are right. redesigning our sanctuary. Should we put in some sections? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know Different what I mean? colored. <laughs> and we kind of see that as, oh, gosh, that's so exclusive. People would Seekers would not like to be part of that kind of a service, so we're not going to do things that are hard like church discipline or actually disciple people. Oh, no, actually, we're going to, in our services, we're going <laughs> to recognize those who are not believers because we don't want anyone to be confused about what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah, we're also fighting just, you know, the, this thought, which is our thought. Who am I to say something? Yeah. And so we're, we're fighting the diversive thought that the church is calling us to. You know, I, if I would say that to my wife, who am I to say to my wife or to my son or daughter, who am I to say that what they're doing is right or wrong? And so this is this is the calling to the accountability that, we are submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we are, we are, we're moving into a way because we desire to be more like him. Yeah. And uh, frankly, we deal with people on all facets of that. And so it's this, you know, discerning process of how to, to navigate and to nurture and to come alongside and to confront and all the different terminology changes. And at the same time, like you said, Drew, this opportunity to provide a place for people who have not yet submitted to the Lordship of Christ to come and to hear and to understand, and then we'd pray that the Spirit would move in their heart uh, by the example, like First Peter talks about, that they will see how you live such good lives mm-hmm. and will give glory to, you know, because of the hope that we have and give glory to God. I want to go back for, uh, for just a second to something that Justin said. Uh, he talked about, you know, what can happen when membership is not done properly. Uh, you know, which means there is the, the point is not just should churches do membership or not. There's a right way and a wrong way. Mm-hmm. There's ways that benefit and don't. Um, I don't know that we would claim at Sunnybrook that we're doing it all right. In fact, some of our talks over the last couple of weeks, I think, have have had us even stop and go, man, we may not be doing this completely the way we ought to be. We don't feel like we have a perfectly solid grasp on where all our people are and people who are claiming to be members some of us are going does that person even know jesus Uh, and so we're not doing it perfectly but we are trying to do something we have a process we're moving through i want to i want to talk to you ryan because you've you've done a lot of work with our membership matters stuff Mm -hmm. and and with basic matters and all that stuff so what is our process when we talk about doing membership what are we asking people to do and and to commit to when they come to sunnybrook um, how it works is you would come, you would likely be invited to what we call Sunnybrook 101, which is uh, usually three times a year. We have a, a lunch um, provided at the church after, after both services or after the second service um, where new attenders or potential members or even people that have been members for a long time but would like to kind of get a refresher can come and just eat and and meet the staff and the eldership and and usually Paul and Jim will spend some time talking about what is Sunnybrook's vision for ministry here in Stillwater and I think it's a great starting point the very next Sunday we ask those who would like to begin the process of becoming a member to come to what we've called membership matters and it's a four-week class where we go over um, what is membership is it biblical Um, What does it entail? We go through the history of Sunnybrook and the restoration movement, so you get an understanding of what it is you would actually be committing to. We go through our fundamental beliefs, what we believe you have to believe in order to be a follower of Jesus, 
and then we spend some time going through what are the responsibilities of becoming a member like when you're a member what what does that mean what should you be you know committing to and what can you expect of your elders and your your ministers and, and what they expect of you and then we ask them to take a few weeks and to consider do you want to sign up for this and uh and Almost all of them do. I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely pleased that when we kind of walk through this process, people say, I would like to do that. That that sounds like something I want to commit to. And just it, it'll take me one minute to read it. But this is kind of the the little statement we've written out of what um, what members at Sunnybrook commit to. Um, we ask them, can you agree with this? Um, it says, by God's leading, I commit to being an active member of the local church community at Sunnybrook Christian Church. I acknowledge Christ as my Lord and Savior and will live out my commitment to him through the local church body in the areas of growing, worshiping, generosity, serving, and biblical community. I acknowledge the leadership and their authority in spiritual matters, including church discipline. I further commit to pray for the health of Sunnybrook as part of the body of Christ, its elders, ministry staff, ministry leaders, and its members. I've given prayerful consideration to what it means to be a member at Sunnybrook Christian Church and express my commitment to be part of this body until God clearly leads me elsewhere. And uh, that's what people agree to. And then Paul introduces them to, uh, I, he introduces them down front in one of our services to their family. Like, this is now your family. And, uh, and that's the process. And, and really, it happens, it happens organically if you're kind of a homegrown person through baptism. You come out of the water, and this is your family. And, and now you're like the, that, those people may need to go through Membership Matters just to kind of see that information we go through, but they're baptized into membership, so to speak. So I love, I love that. I love even just hearing that again myself. And I know there's some of you who may hear that, and you may hear... Uh, legal contract jargon you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. i i hear i hear for richer or for poor in sickness and in health yeah. you know and yeah. and i hope that that's what you hear i hope that i hope you get to hear something that's beautiful and and a formal that brings strength to the informality in in those things if you uh go to sunnybrook uh but you've never actually taken that step to join as a member i i hope that you'll consider doing that. If, if you don't go to Sunnybrook, if you're maybe listening to this in another town, um, I, I hope that whatever church you're at, you will uh, take steps to not just be at that church, but be a part of that yeah. family through things like membership. And maybe you're already a member, but you have not taken that seriously. I, I hope that, that today is something you got to listen to and, and see some of the beauty and the joy of this and, and long to be more of that. If, if you've got questions, more questions about membership or what it looks like to get involved here, any of us would love to sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about that with you. Uh, until next time, um, bye. <laughs>